Y'all got me jacked up this morning, didn't you? Gee, man, I was doing fine earlier, and then you showed up. Which, which makes me think of this. And it's, it's, this is not the case. This is most definitely not the case at this point in my life. But there's moments that I know myself and other preachers have gone into the pulpit preparing themselves, trying to take God's word, this massive, complicated book, and put it out in front of people that you care about and you love. And not believe a word of it. Like, you were so empty and so tapped out that you got nothing. What it turns into is this. Then the preacher ends up on the other side, looking out to the congregation and saying, help me believe what I'm saying. You can think church is just a place you go to get, but I assure you, take you a couple rounds up here, couple rounds in a place like this, you find out real quick, you might not be getting, you might not be getting, it may be me that's doing all the getting. You can leave here and say whatever you want to say about the sermon was so good. You can walk out the doors, you can post it all over social media. Oh my goodness, was that just not, you don't know what you did for me. So many times, so many pastors I know, they crawl in and all they're thinking to themselves is, I hope I see some semblance of real faith here today because I'm not the one that's bringing any. If you think your responsibility as somebody who's sitting in the congregation is just to sit and take, oh, you have no clue what you're talking about. If you think you missing, you not being here, is something you can just kind of brush off, gee, many. just take a round. Just take a couple of rounds. Doing this, what you find out is like sometimes what you need is you need to see God working somewhere else because you're not real sure he's working where you are. This is not the case where I'm at today. I am not in this place, but I've been in this place. Today, it kind of smoked me. So, for the preachers who are doing this, on the regular. They don't, have, they don't have a sidekick. They don't have you know, an administrative genius like Luke. They don't have the support of elders like this. They don't have friends like I have. They don't have small groups like I'm a part, like I'm a part of. For all those guys out there, good gosh, say a prayer for them. Say a prayer for them. Because I'm telling you, I don't know how they're holding on. I don't have any idea how they're holding on. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. Everything you've done for the people who are here, in their marriages, in their lives, with their kids. God, how you've stepped into their life. Look, what you've done for me. I'm enough. I'm absolutely enough. Everything you've done for me, you are worth all the praise you get for what you've done for me. But Lord, I know you've done so much more. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to come together with a group of people and be one. One in spirit and one in mind and one in heart and one in thought and one in belief and one in commitment. We ask that you open up our eyes to see you clearer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Imagine, if you will, you are walking on a trail. Perhaps it's something like the Lehigh Trails. It's wide, it's chat, it's kind of got all this, it's nice, it's trimmed. Somebody came through there, maybe it was old Dave, you know. He came through and clipped the edges, looks real good. You're walking through. Everything's going pretty good. You're thinking about your life. You're looking around at the scenery. You take a look, and there's just enough shade and overgrowth over the, over the trail that it's like, it's not too hot. 
but there's enough light coming through that it's just kind of sprinkling, you know, uh, this illuminating, you know, essence over everything that you see and the rocks are glimmering a little bit and you're thinking to yourself, like, what a great walk. It's like the weather is perfect like it was yesterday. Perfect. And as you start heading down this path a little bit further, you look up and you see that the path forks. You get to gawking, you get to looking around, and you kind of turn around, you're wondering, like, I wonder which way I should go, and in the process of all that, you roll your ankle, and immediately the swelling ensues. You fall down in the gravel. A minute ago, the gravel, this was such a nice path. Now it's all on your knees. You got it in your shoe. That's fun. You're thinking to yourself, like, this sucks. Like, here I am, hung up, broken ankle, two paths. You look up, and on one, there's a tree and this nice, big, bright sign. Somebody took some time to hang it. It looks good. I guarantee it was Dave that did it here. I promise. It's straight. It's solid. It's perfect. Outlined beautifully, and what it says on it is one word. Why? You can see this path looks like it's well-worn. It looks just like the path you've been on, just well-worn. You almost don't even have to take the fork. It's just kind of already there. You just kind of veer, just merge a little bit onto this path. However, there's a path on the other side too. It's got a sign as well. Faded, hanging sideways, barely make it out. You look down the path. You can't even hardly see down. It looks more like a deer trail than it does a path. It's not really a trail trail, not like the ones you've been on. And you look and you're thinking, good gosh, it's kind of dark. The trees are really overgrown down there. That does not look like it's a well-traveled or well-populated place to go. And the word on the sign up here, it says, how? Question mark. Why? How? You need help. I mean, things just fell apart. And maybe it's not an ankle. Maybe it was a phone call. Maybe it was some papers that showed up at your house. Maybe it was some really, really, really bad news. But whatever it was, it happened right there at the fork in the road. And now you've got to make a decision. You've got to figure out exactly where you're going to go. What question are you going to be asking? You think to yourself, What's the chances I'm going to find somebody down that narrow path down there? Doesn't look good. You think this one over here looks like it's always had people on it. In fact, I think I can hear people on this one over here. Which what do you choose? Why? Or how? The upside of 2020 living through a pandemic in an election year. Collusion, fraud, the duplicity of elected officials. I mean, all the just strangeness that's gone on. The upside is this. There have been some clear lines drawn in the sand. Clear lines. There have been some things that have shown up that you have begun to really understand. Like for one, here's one. I don't know if you realize this or not. If you didn't learn this from 2020, you should go ahead and learn this now. I don't care where you're getting your information. It's subject to bias. If you didn't know that, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. It's subject to bias. Just like you. I tell you what else we've learned. We've learned some new phrases. <laughs> we've also learned some new sounds. I was thinking about this a minute ago too. There's a new sound that we hear these days opposed to the old days. We used to hear clanging. Remember back when we used to do cups for communion? Glass cups, and they would fall into those metal trays. Shink, 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 shink. You know what it sounds like now? Just sounds like a bunch of babies with a bunch of baby toys. Just like, <laughs> 
just rappers coming undone. Like there's a herd of like three-year-olds with fruit snacks, like taking over, you know, something. Like this is what it sounds like. I'm like, that's a new sound. That's a 2020 sound. Like that's what that is. We've learned some new phrases too. Learned some new vocabulary. Here's one of my favorites. Well, we just, we just didn't know enough. <laughs> I love that phrase. Well, we just didn't know enough. We'll say it for everything. It doesn't even matter what. It doesn't even matter what. Social distancing. Well, I mean, we would have started this sooner, except we just didn't know enough. We'd have talked about masks. Well, we're going to wear them. Why? They're useless. Oh, no, they're really, really helpful. Okay, I don't know which is which. It doesn't make any difference to me. However, we just don't know very much. We still just don't know enough. It's like we don't know enough. It's like, you, are you kidding me? Like, what about, the, what about the election? I don't know. It's just too early to tell. We still don't know enough. Like, are you serious? Was there Russian collusion? Still don't know enough. I don't know if you know this or not, but check this out. If you should have learned any lesson through 2020, it's this. You never know enough. Unfortunately, in our ridiculousness, we become internet experts, and so we actually think we know more than we actually know. Did you see how ridiculous that is? I googled it. Oh, there's this great video. I won't tell you what it's titled because there's parts of it that you shouldn't, you sh shouldn't watch or listen to, especially if you kids are around. But there's this, there's this one, and then what it is is it says, if Google was a guy, and a lady comes in, and she sits down in front of him, and what they're doing is they're just saying phrases, right? They're just saying these phrases. And she says the phrase, do vaccines cause autism? The guy, Google, mid-50s, maybe early 60s, balding guy with glasses on, turns around and goes, oh, great question. And he grabs an enormous file folder and he puts it on top of the desk in front of him. And she goes, oh, correction. Vaccines do cause autism. And he goes, oh my. Takes it all, moves it over, reaches in his desk, pulls out one piece of paper, puts it in front of her, and, he, and she goes, I knew it! To which he yells at her as she blows out of the room. You know she's on her way to square somebody off and tell somebody what she just learned. He yells, just because I haven't, just because I have it, doesn't mean it's true. Bunch of internet experts. Well, you know, I was reading the other, I'm amazed at the Redundant amount of repetitive information that people will hand off to me based on something that they read off of Facebook. <laughs> oh, you're a scientist and your cousin Jim shared it. He has to know. Reminds me of a story of a guy I know one time working on a construction site. Had a pounding headache. He worked on a really rough construction site and there was a guy there named Red. This guy got a pounding headache. Red pulls him aside and says, uh, got a headache? He says, yeah. You know, I, I got a fix for headaches. This guy, innocent, pure as the driven snow. He says, man, I'll do anything. You know, my back's been bothering me, and now it's causing me to have a headache, and I'm just in bad, bad shape. Red says, come here. Hands him this little bitty envelope. It's got some white powder in it. He says, what am I supposed to do with this? And the guy looks at him kind of puzzled like, you don't know? Are well, you supposed to take it? So this good, solid Christian guy that I know opens up his peanut butter and jelly sandwich and just sprinkles the whole thing, the whole envelope, straight inside of it, folds it in half, eats it. Goes home that afternoon, <laughs> reports to his family, you're not going to believe how absolutely much better I feel. And they're like, what is going on with you? And he is losing it, sweating, excited, happy, smiling. They're like, are you good? Are you good? He says, yeah, you're not going to believe this. So apparently, Red has some medicine. And they said, whoa, 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 who? Red. You took some white powder from a guy named Red, put in your peanut butter and jelly sandwich and ate it? Yeah. He said, you know what that was, don't you? They begin to 
toss these things out like what they think it probably was. And you should have heard him. He just jumped up and he goes, how dare you talk about red like that? <laughs> oh my goodness. We'll just grab some information and consume it and then spew it on everyone and be like, that's what I know. It's like, that's nothing. Your information is a subject to bias as you are. You know what else we've learned in 2020? That people you love don't believe like you, and then you question whether you love them anymore. <laughs> wow. We didn't see that coming. Oh, I love that guy. And then all of a sudden you saw him, and he had some sign in his yard. You were like, what an idiot. <laughs> you saw him wearing a mask on. You were like, what a... You saw them not wearing the inconsiderate. Here's what we've learned. Science will absolutely be ignored. Scientists will be ignored. And ignorance will pass as science. We've learned both things. We will just, whatever. Here's what else we found out. We are more alike than we are different, but we are still very different. Like we have certain things that we hold on to, and it does not matter if your own mother, your father, the person you respect most in the world steps forward and says, here's actually the truth. You would still look at him and go, nah, I don't believe it. Interesting, huh? You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a, of a guy last name Van Pelt. Philosopher, theologian. You probably know him best as Linus Van Pelt from the Peanuts comic strip. You remember the one, right? Always resolving problems for everybody else. Just a really deep thinker. Believed, believed in the mysterious, the great pumpkin. He believed in the great pumpkin. Not very many people did, but Linus did. Linus had a couple of things that were about him that was kind of just strange. Always had his thumb in his mouth, if you remember the comics. Always sucking his thumb, Linus. And he was always carrying a blanket around over his shoulder. Amazing, isn't it? Deep philosopher, full of wisdom, ready to just repel all of the bad thoughts from everyone reunite people, resolve problems, speak from his depth of wisdom, yet his thumb still wet from his own mouth, his blanket still over his shoulder. If you haven't learned from 2020, it's really easy to be a hypocrite in 2020. We got all the answers and we know exactly what everybody else's problem is, don't we? Oh, dear me. We're ridiculous. Ridiculous. How do we get in that place? <sighs> I wish I could tell you, Jared, but we just still don't know enough. We still don't know enough. I mean, what's the great meme? I saw one floating around the other day. Maybe I didn't even see it. Maybe somebody told it to me. You think 2020 is bad? Wait till it turns 21 and starts drinking. Like, we don't know anything. We know nothing. Like, to assume on some level, like, well, we know this. It's like, okay, when you can take a group of people who've all studied the same thing at the same school and put them in the same room and ask them the same question, the room immediately <laughs> parts. You in the medical field know this. You see it all the time. You choose to believe what you want to believe. Listen. You choose to believe what you want to believe. I don't believe in Bigfoot. I just don't. Even if somebody showed me ample evidence, I'm out in the woods in the dark too much, so no. No. Nope. Doesn't exist. Neither are there mountain lions around here. <laughs> At least where I go. Not around. 
that are not here. I've seen them. Nope, not where I've been, though. Certain things we just choose to believe. Isn't that amazing? We can talk about, well, we're all about truth. Are we? Or do we, do we approach certain ideas and certain issues with our blanket over our shoulder and our thumb in our mouth saying, I'm pretty sure I already know what I believe about this. Oh, you're pretty sure you already know from your vast experience and knowledge. Really? Listen. Has any of you, have any of you ever studied anything about viruses? I mean, like for a college course, maybe like four of you. But we all got to vote, don't we? I know exactly how this works. I know exactly how this works. <laughs> We've just got it nailed down. And if you don't have it nailed down, you do have it nailed down when you use the other phrase. You know, I got some ideas on it, but it's just still a little too early to tell. We just still don't know enough. Oh, so convenient. Bunch of internet gangsters. That's who we are. It's interesting to me. When you start talking about biases and choosing to believe something, there's this fantastic story in John 9. Fantastic story. I'm amazed at how much Scripture, as old as it is, can relate to my life and our scenario and our situation where we are right now as a country. I'm amazed at how much it looks like right now. Go to John 9. You want to talk about Linus. You want to talk about Linus Van Pelt, thumb-sucking, blanket-toting Linus Van Pelt. Now you're talking about somebody who's got the ability to look out into the world and it's all of its just different nuances and all these little bitty categories and all these little slight differences everywhere and then just be this brain and be able to just unravel the mysteries of everybody else and it's kind of like, yeah, that's really, really cool for you to be able to notice the speck in somebody else's eye but you Still can't see the 14-foot tuba 12 hanging outside of your own? Really, Linus? I mean, how often do our fears and our comforts and our biases all form this fantastic trinity of belief for us? Often. It's convenient to believe what I believe. It's kind of like this. I don't want to be rich. I don't want to be rich. Well, that's a convenient stance to take, Jared, because guess what? There's no chance of that happening. No, I know, but I mean, I could be, but I don't want to be. That's why I'm not. Like, you would think to yourself, like, what an idiot. Are you serious right now? I don't want to be rich. It's kind of like saying I don't want to be tall. <laughs> I would hate to be tall. Well, you don't really have an option there, do you? Five foot four. <laughs> of course you don't. Just keep going on and on about how happy you are to not have things that are better than what you have right now. Oh, I would never want that. That would be terrible. Like, oh, okay. It's not even real. It's just I'm going to hold on to my insecurities. I'm going to keep I'm sucking my thumb and I'm going to keep toting around my blanket because these make me feel better. No, I'm just going to put up these walls. It's so ridiculous. 2020 drew a line in the sand and all of a sudden we all showed up with the same problem. All our insecurities come running to the front. All of them. You got those weirdos. I'm part of it. Food storage. Stockpiling ammo and guns. I'm closer to that camp, I promise. You got the other ones like, you know what we really need to do is just give the government our whole life. I'm sure they'll be nice to us. We go to the other side. Like, we're on one side, full resistance. Another side. No, you should take the keys to my house and car and, and livelihood and everything. That'd be fine. But they're everywhere. All our insecurities show up at once. Doesn't matter to me what camp you're in. This is where we show up. All our insecurities. All of us. Thumb. Stuck straight in our gob. Blanket over our shoulder. Trying to boss everyone else. You know. Oh, I can't even hardly understand you through your adolescence 
thumb sucking. What are, you, what are you talking about? No, all the insecurity showed up at once. We choose to believe whatever it is we choose to believe. We're not waiting on truth. This story is so great. Jesus is passing through Jerusalem, John chapter 9. He's walking through, and when he looks up, <laughs> when he looks up his disciples are with him. And they see a blind man sitting on the side of the road. The disciples ask a pretty intriguing question. Who sinned that this man became blind? His parents or him? Well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? I mean, basically, they're asking, why? Why? Jesus answers the question by saying, neither. Hmm. Neither have sinned. You got the motive wrong. I mean, on the surface, that seems like a really wise question. Like you really are trying to figure out the nature of God. Like, how does God work when it comes to, when it comes to the sin of your parents? Or even, I suppose, your own sin in utero, which is weird. Like, that's kind of the question, isn't it? Like, did his parents, this guy was born blind. Did his parents sin, thus God spitefully cursed the son to deal with the parents? That's a big step. That's pretty heavy. Or, even worse, God, in all of his brilliance, looked down the road at who this man was going to be, and God said he's going to be a filthy sinner, and then cursed him in utero. That's pretty dark. How do you see God? The disciples, the ones closest to Jesus, are asking, is God spiteful kind of or spiteful a lot? How does it work? Jesus says, neither sinned. Now, that's not to say neither one of them sinned. I'm sure they all sinned. The question was, what caused it? Neither one of them sinned to cause this. This is the answer. Jesus says, neither one. This happened for a different reason. So that the power of God might be put on display to him. <laughs> the disciples, uh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That makes more sense. <laughs> this is what I was saying. Whatever. Jesus walks up to the man. Spits in the ground. Makes paste. He says, hey there. Hello. He says, hey, uh, I want you to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Okay. So the man gets up. Somebody leads him, walks with a stick. Maybe he knows where it is. Maybe he's walked there and he knows the sounds and he gets there. Anyway, he gets there. And he goes and when he gets there, he makes it to the pool and he sticks his hands into the water. Can you imagine this for the very first time? Sticks his hands in the water, his eyes plastered shut because of the clay that's on them and he wipes it and he begins to pick away the crusties from the clay that are in his eyelashes and his eyebrows and he's wiping it loose and when he does, he has to blink a few times and then all of a sudden light starts to push through and it's kind of it's kind of hazy, but, and, and it's so bright because they've been closed for so long, and then finally the light makes it through, and he opens up, and when he begins to look, he can see for the first time ever. Do you want to see me cry? Show me one of the colorblind glasses videos. <laughs> I'm done. Have you seen these? Somebody is colorblind and they give them these glasses and when you put these glasses on, suddenly you can see color and it's always the same thing. Like they're like, yeah, what is this? What is this? What is this? What are these? What are these? Like, what? Oh, okay, okay. And you can just see like just this bitterness, this callousness. It's kind of like, whatever, I'm blind. I'm dealing with it. I mean, I'm colorblind. I'm dealing with it. It's fine. And they put them on instantly every single one of them. <laughs> it's so beautiful. And I'm like, I know, it's so beautiful gets me every time. I think about the things that you would see for the first time ever with the color, and it's like, what color is that? And he's looking at a balloon, a grown man, looking at a balloon going, this is red? And I'm in tears in a puddle, 
melted into just mush on the floor. And imagine for this guy, imagine for this guy, the first time he sees, eyes open up, born blind, never saw anything. And all of a sudden he opens up and all, all he can do is that was the, that's what makes that noise. To realize your children's eyes are blue. Imagine. Grass is green. Sky. It's every color all the time at different times. Clouds. How do you describe that? First time you're able to see. And these things hover somewhere between the stars and the earth. And you are just amazed. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine if you were this man? The first time you get to see facial expressions, people smile and it does something to your heart. You never saw it before. They're in Jerusalem. The temple. The beauty of the temple. He had heard so much about it. People had said it all the time and then he opens his eyes and all of a sudden the temple, more beautiful than he could have ever imagined, is right in front of him. Unbelievable. But here we come. Here we come. Blankets and thumbs. Here we come. We can't leave it alone. You know what's amazing to me? Sometimes sight is one of the things that would divide people. You have your eyes open to something, and everyone around you is just like, now you're weird. You meet Jesus, you'll experience this at times. You meet Jesus and he overtakes some part of you on a deep level and everybody around you kind of starts stepping back going, now you went and got weird. Did you go and find religion? You're like, I'm the same guy, but boy, Jesus has done something different to me. Like, no, you're not the same guy. You're weird now. You're not believing some things that I can't follow. You're holding on to some stuff that seems like it's really, really, really tough to believe. Like, what happened to you? You used to be cool. It's like, trust me. (laughs) This version of me is a bajillion times better than what you're going to get. Because as soon as your eyes are open, sometimes it causes other people to see their blindness. And that's pretty uncomfortable. So the man went away, washed, came back seeing. (laughs) Isn't that funny? I guess funny, like he went away blind and then found his way back. He's got his eyes open. He shows up. Neighbors, everybody else comes around. They're like, (laughs) okay, is that him? (laughs) It was weird. Like I normally see him and sometimes I'll see him. He'll walk in someplace, but he's like this. This time he looked up at me. How you doing? Me? Yeah, you. <laughs> Are you looking? You were blind like 10 minutes ago. Like, this is so weird. He's like, I can see now. And the neighbors come out and they're like, is this the man? Is this the man? Is this the man that was blind? <laughs> the man says, yeah, it was me. And they're like, uh-uh. For real? Is this the man? They don't even ask the man. Are you the man? They don't even ask the man. They say, uh, is that the man? And the man's like, it's me. They're like, the other guy says, no, I don't think that's him. Boy, it looks like him, doesn't it? I'm standing right here. Listen to this. It's ridiculous. So they were, so they were saying to him, uh, let me back up. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is not this the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, this is he. Still others kept saying, no, but he's like him. I'll choose to believe what I want to believe. I'm going to choose to believe whatever it is I want to believe. See, some of you in here, you have this thing about you, and I know it's true, to where you absolutely will not let yourself get excited about something that might happen in the future because it's going to show up and it's going to be disappointing. You've been burned way too many times, and then when you meet Jesus, you're like, I don't want to expect too much. Shame, shame, shame on you. You better get that fixed. You can't walk around with that. 
going to miss it all because Jesus is asking you to come and see and you're saying, nope, choose not to. He's saying, come believe. And you're like, I can't believe. It's too dangerous. He said, come and see. No. Some of you are going to miss. You're going to miss it. Stop being so wrapped up in your blanket, hiding from the boogeyman with your thumb in your mouth, and you better start opening up your eyes and looking. He's trying to show you something. You can't hide. You can't keep hiding. Others were saying, this is he. Still others were saying, no, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I'm him. I'm the one. And they're like, did you, is this guy, is he? I'm him. I am the one. So then they were saying to him, how then were your eyes open? He answered, the man who's called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away. I washed and I received my sight. They said, where is he? And then the blind man replies, I don't know if you're just coming into this story or not, but just previously to this, I've been uh, blind my whole life. What are you, are you kidding me? So where'd he go? Okay, did you not listen to the story? I've been blind since, mm, let's see, uh, I was born. And then I went to the pool and that's when I started seeing at the pool. I left Jesus back there. I don't know where he is. Stay with me. They brought to the Pharisees the man who was formerly blind. This is kangaroo court. <laughs> Here we come. Blanket over our shoulder. Here we come. This Jesus character has made me feel very insecure, and I don't like it. We better start policing the situation right now because I want to understand exactly why all this is going on when I know the truth. Now, it was Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And the Pharisees were also asking him again and again how he received his sight. And he told them, he applied clay to my eyes. I washed and I saw. Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. They're going to try to get him on a technicality. We're going to bust Jesus on a technicality. First off, if anybody's going to be doing miracles around here, you're going to follow every single, every single tidbit, every single bit of the rules, and you don't get to do that on the Sabbath. Here's why. Because you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And it's kind of like if Jesus was there, he's like, you think that would work? Like that was the work. Well, it's kind of like farming. Kind of not. It's kind of like masonry work. Kind of not. It's kind of like I just spit and then I mashed it up and I put it on a blind guy's eyes. This is a technicality. Jesus isn't there. He didn't say anything. They can't find him. They don't know where he went. How can this man, who is obviously a sinner, perform such signs? <laughs> And there was a division among them. Well, of course there was. Of course there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man, isn't that beautiful? They refer to him as the blind man. That's so good. It's kind of like when Lazarus comes out. Unwrap that dead man. <laughs> it's almost a mockery of like, do you remember when he used to be blind? And now he's not. And now you'll never forget it. That's good. So they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, I don't know. He's a prophet? He's a prophet. I mean, he did a miracle. Like, that's the only thing we've ever known. Prophets come along. The only people doing miracles are prophets. I say he's a prophet. The Jews then did not believe it of him that he said he'd been blind and received his sight until they called his parents. <laughs> Of the very one who had received his sight and questioned them, saying, Is this your son? <laughs> who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? 
Mom and dad are sitting there in kangaroo court, threatened to get kicked out of the synagogue. That's the first thing they told him. Listen, if you say that Jesus is the Messiah, the one that healed him is the Messiah, the Christ, the King, if you say this, I promise you, you're going to get kicked completely out. Now, answer this question. Is that your son? They're like, that is our son. Was he born blind? He was born blind. And then they said, now, how was he healed? Mom and dad pumped the brakes. Sight can cause divisions in the home, too. You start seeing clearly, and your spouse is like, you need to knock this Jesus nonsense off. And you're like, this is me. And mom and dad look up and go, he's old enough. Ask him. <laughs> I've only been blind my whole life, mom and dad. I've only been blind my whole life. And now I see, and you are running scared. Everybody's got a blanket, and I don't care. You can tug at that sucker all you want, stick your toes down in the ends, and you can start pulling on it. It's not ever going to cover up all your fears. I don't care how hard you pull. But we'll keep tugging, trying to cover up, because we are terrified to come face-to-face with Jesus. Mom and dad sell him out. His parents answered them, We know this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He's of age. He can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents says, he's of age. Ask him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind. And they said to him, now give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. Now, let me tell you something about blindness. If you sit in the dark long enough and then you see the light, there is something that happens to the wisdom that you gained when you were in the dark. It turns around and all of a sudden, it's exponential wisdom on the other side because you finally see clearly. And some of you know this. You've gone through something really tragic in your life and then all of a sudden when you met Jesus, it's like it just turned over and what looked like a deficit is now like a head start and you can't figure it out and nobody else can figure it out but you are just, you just understand and know on a depth that you never did before. It's like you got the fast track. And you see the same thing happen with this guy. This is so good. So the second time they called the man and they said, give glory to God for we know this man is a sinner. And then the man says this, what a beautiful, simple testimony it is. Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know I was blind. Now I see. You can argue with me all day long about who he is and what title and what name he goes by, but let me tell you this. There was a moment in my life I couldn't see, and now I can, so deal with it. I can see clearly. So they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And the man turns and said, listen, I told you already, and you did not listen to me. Why do you want to hear it again? Uh Uh-oh. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciple too, do you? (laughs) So good. Keep questioning me. Keep pushing. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. Me and my wife got in an argument years ago. We're on a trip. It was pretty stressful. And we got going back and forth. And she piped off something. And I piped off something. And then I said something to her. And then she said something back. And then I said something. And she pulled out the big guns. And she carved me to pieces. And I said, how dare you say that? And she said, keep backing a cat in a corner. And don't be surprised if you get your face scratched off. <laughs> OMG. I was in love then. Like, this is what I need somebody to contend with me. Like, well done. High fives. Like, that is solid. You keep backing a blind man into a corner who can now see. Listen, you're going to get squared off. Tell us exactly everything you know. Okay, I'll tell you everything I know. I already told you once. 
starting to look a little bit like you want to follow him too. You got a crush on him too? Oh my goodness. This is bad. He answered them, I told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciple too, do you? They reviled him and said, you're his disciple straight off the playground, in it? Oh, huh? We're not. You are. Rubber and glue. Weirdos. You want to become his disciple? We are already disciples of Moses. We know, we know <laughs> that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we don't know where he is from. And the man answered him, well, that's amazing. Something you don't know. I mean, that's just, that's the essence of the statement. Oh, well, isn't that amazing? Something you don't know. You little expert, you. Just little Google aficionado, aren't you? Super internet research king of the Googler. Like, you're so good. Well, that's something. There's something you don't know. The man answered, well, there's an amazing thing that you don't know where he's from, yet he opened my eyes. Listen, he goes on. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a blind person. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. That is a sermon. You can keep pushing all day long, but you and I both know the truth. That you can't be cross and crooked and do what he did. If you're cross and crooked, you can only do nothing, which is what you did. That's the implication. He healed me. What did you do? Nothing. <laughs> this guy is good. He's so good. They answered him, you were born entirely in sins, and you're teaching us, so they put him out. Listen to the genius of this. The story starts with the disciples asking the question, who sinned, him or his parents? And Jesus said, you're kind of in a bad camp right now. Not the right question. Don't ask why. Ask how. Don't ask why. That's not the right question. Ask how. This is not a matter of why would God do this. This is a matter of how is God going to use this. Which path do you take? Do you go left? I'm going to go figure out why my life's falling apart. I'm going to get before the Lord and I'm going to begin to ask him what it is that I've done that causes all oh, the whole world sinners around you. Doesn't it, poor Christian? Oh, woe is you, you poor myopic brat. The whole world is about you and has nothing to do with the brilliance and majesty and redemptive power of God. Stop looking at you all the time. and Look at him. Stop asking why. What a dumb thing to do. Why would God do? No, 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 no. Back up. Look, this path, it hardly anybody goes down this one. It's dark. It looks a little scary. The question is how. How's God going to use this situation that's unfolding in my life? I'll tell you how. He's going to show his power to me. He's going to do it. And I'm going to count on it. You know, you know why? Because I ask how. How are you going to fix this? I'm going down this road and I ain't moving and I ain't asking another question why. I'm just going to keep mowing down this path. You are good. And you're going to show me how this works. I'm with you. I don't care if my folks sell me out. I don't care if my neighbors sell me out. I don't care if they tell lies about me. And I don't care if they string me up a pole. I don't care. I'm going down this road with you. I want to know how you're going to pull this one off. Because you, my friend, are incredible. You're like the best problem-solving MacGyver guy I've ever seen in my life. I'm with you. Jesus, I'm with you. <laughs> they return to the beginning 
with the same presuppositions that the disciples had early when they asked the question, you were born in sin. <laughs> That's exactly where it started. Look at the literary genius of the gospel writer John. The literary genius. To be able to pull that thing and then put the bookends on each side of it. That's just brilliant, brilliant writing. I'll tell you what's even more brilliant than that, though, is the fact that Jesus set that whole thing up. Like, that's brilliant. He just told them, ask a different question. And they ask a different question. He goes over, spits, mud, puts it on. All of a sudden, this guy opens up. Jesus, knowing exactly what this man is going to say when he gets in front of him, and it goes full circle, and the disciples end up on the other end where they were like, we were this close to going down the wrong path, weren't we? And Jesus goes, yes, you were. But you didn't. You were me. How? Stop looking around like you're going to figure out, why did this happen to me? Who cares why? How is he going to use it? And maybe even the better question is, how in the world are you going to get yourself out of the way so he can? How long are you going to stand in the road? How long are you going to be indecisive at the fork in the road and just wonder what you're going to do? How long are you going to stay on the ground with your swollen little ankle and your little bit of catastrophe and not go get the help you need? How long are you going to keep it to yourself? There's a whole lot of how questions. How is Jesus going to fix this problem for you? You can't go down this way. You can't go down why. You got to go down how. <laughs> oh, this is so good. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they put the man out of the synagogue. <laughs> Jesus goes and finds him. ask you a question. Have you ever been blind and then healed and then abandoned and then Jesus came and found you? Whew. Jesus is not something to be trifled with. He's a legit savior. He's a legit Savior. I know we talk a lot about masculinity and dudes need to man up and this kind of deal, but listen, Jesus would, listen, he would punk all you chumps. He's legit. He don't play no games. He's a legit Savior. Jesus went and found him. He looks at the man, he says, hey, which I imagine there's a little introduction there. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> this guy's like, you're not going to believe the day I've had. You know? You are not going to believe the day I had. And Jesus is like, wow, that's good. That's, that's What's your name? The guy says his name. This guy, I, I was the guy who used to be blind. Jesus is like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, um, do you believe in the one that saved you? Do you believe in the Son of Man? <laughs> The man says, he's wide open right now. This is a truth seeker. He ain't got no blanket. He ain't got no thumb. This is a truth seeker. He wants to know the truth. Who is he? I mean, what's a blind guy got? Got nothing to his name. He's got no insecurities. I mean, I've been blind my whole life. What do I care? He looks at him and he says, uh, who is he? I mean, point me to him. <laughs> Whoever it was that healed me, like, point me to him. I was like, I'm in. And Jesus leans in. You're looking at him. You're looking at him. He who speaks with you is him. I'm him. And the man, he says, I believe. And he worshiped him. Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said, you have both seen him. Oh, that's, so, that's such a perfect touch, isn't it? You have both seen him, and he's the one who's talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, listen close. Listen close, my friend. You got to listen close. You're a blind man. You're, you were a blind man. I'm going to tell you something right now. I came for judgment. For judgment I came into this world so that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Church, listen close. 
Listen close. Don't assume you got it. Don't assume you got it. Don't assume like I already got this Jesus piece figured out. Like don't assume it. He's too slippery for that. You got to go and seek him out. You got to go seek him out. It is not so simple as say this prayer and now you're good. Stamped, sealed, delivered. It's gone. Like you can don't never have to worry. Like Jesus is too slippery. I came for judgment. I came for judgment. Those who are walking around here thinking they're seeing are blind. And those who are walking around here blind, those are the ones I came to give sight to. Do you know what your trouble in life is? I don't mean like here's your problem. I mean the trials that are in your life. Do you know what those are? That is your pathway to him. It's your pathway. Let me give you an example. You got some sort of physical thing about your body and, and, and it causes pain, it causes anxiety, it causes stress. And all of a sudden, once you kind of get your mind around what this thing is, you and Jesus start having a conversation about this and all of a sudden you're there. It's your marriage. It's when your marriage gets sideways and all of a sudden what happens is God steps in and he says, now listen, you want to talk about something? And you are on your knees, desperate. You're like, look. This is going to crumble if I don't get some help. And all of a sudden, you and Jesus are connecting through your pain. It's an addiction, and you can't stop it. You can't quit it. doesn't matter what you do. It just holds on to you. It's got like 11-inch talons, and they're in your back. And it feels like it could pick you up with its demonic wings and just carry you away anytime it wants to. And you couldn't get away if you wanted to. And all of a sudden, you find yourself on your hands and knees praying, Lord, just sustain me. And he does. then you're having a conversation. Don't ask why so that you can maybe maneuver around your problem, your situation. You take your problem and you march it. You limp your broken ankle and screwed up life down that other path. It's overgrown. It's a little rocky. It's a little hilly and there's nobody else on it. It's a little lonely. It's pretty overgrown and dark. But listen, you got a better chance going down that road of getting a little bit of healing in your life and becoming whole than you ever do going down this other question, the road of why. It's down here that you find them where you take your problem and all that weight you've been holding on to for all those years and you march it down that road and then you meet him. And you say, I don't know what I'm doing on this road, but I got this massive problem and I don't think it's... I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with it. And then he looks you in the face and he says, Ah, I've seen hundreds of those. I'll show you what it's good for. If you hold it up to the light just right, and you kind of turn it just a little bit, you'll see every bit of my power. Just hold it up there and look. And you experience healing in a way you've never experienced healing before in your life. Those of the Pharisees who were with him, still spying on the blind man, heard these things and said, we're not blind too, are we? <laughs> oh, these jokers. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say you see, you're a sinner. Can you see him? This guy's marbles. Exactly. So good. The question is, which way do you go? Some of you just keep asking why, and you think that's actually helping. It's not helping. You don't ask why. Does it matter why? Stop going down that road. Oh, yeah, it's... It's popular and it'd be really awesome to be able to answer, but listen, you got to go down how. You got that situation in your life so that the glory and the power of God can be shown to everyone else. Like, that's what it's there for. You got to address that. You can't pray, God, use me, and still choose why. You got to say, God, use me, and then you take your problem down how avenue, and when you find out, when you get it down there, like all of a sudden it starts making sense. Then you know what that's called? That's called 
a ministry. That's what that's called. It's called a ministry. I am so appreciative of who you are. I'm so appreciative of the things that you've gone through. I know so many of your stories and, and, and where you've really had to just grit up and push through some stuff. And I appreciate you so much. Thank you for sharing that uh, with us, with each other. Like, it's so good. Like, it, it's, it's, sometimes that helps hold us to the road because we watch you take yours to how and we stop worrying about the why on our end. So I appreciate you. Let's pray. God, thank you for everything you've done for us. We love you, and we appreciate everything that you're doing inside of our world, inside of our hearts, inside of this county and this church and this community. Lord, we pray that you'll continue to use us, Lord, that we will be brave enough, bold enough, courageous enough to toss our blanket to the side, get some dirt on our hands, pick up some of the weighty burdens that we've had land in our life and haul them to you so that we can see your power. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good afternoon. Thanks for hanging with me. Sorry it was so long today.